Hey everyone, we appreciate you listening. We'll get into the show in a bit, but just want to mention, go check out our Twitter page, at Midcourt Madness, for all of our show updates, as well as some breaking news tweets. Also, check out our website, where we post all of our writing at midcourtmadness.wordpress.com. Here's the show. On today's Midcourt Madness, much like Longwood, the first weekend of the tournament has come and gone. We've got a lot of games to recap and not much time to do it, so let's just get into it. All right, Biggs, this is actually a little new for us here. We're going to be going in different order right now. Technically, by the time people hear this, the intro would have already played, but we haven't even recorded it yet. So are we going back in time? It's somewhat like that. We are now time travelers. We, uh, we're we just like really changing the podcasting game right now. All right. I'm here for it. Yeah. But it is Saturday evening. Uh, the Gonzaga game versus Memphis has like, what, five minutes left? Yeah, we're live potting. Yeah. And uh, it's still a close game, but it seems like Gonzaga's going to win here, but you know, you'll probably get some live reaction from us here. But, you know, we thought, you know, Biggs is here in person. Nice to see you. God, it's nice. It, it really is. Yeah. You know, the camera adds 10 pounds. It feels like the, the camera wasn't adding enough muscle for you. You look... Yoked? Yeah, you look good. Okay. Like we're getting lost in each other's eyes right now. It's it's emotional. It is, it is. But, I, you know, you could pick a lot of different storylines from today, but I think, you know, everyone likes a good Cinderella story, Biggs. And... We have a 15 seed advancing to the Sweet 16 a year after. Wait, no, we're not going to get into that. It's the first time the Sweet 15 seeds advanced to the Sweet 16 for the second year in a row. Three or four years after World Pandemic. Or no, two years after World Pandemic. Something. Whatever. Um, St. Peter's. St. Peter's. St. Peter's. Not St. Peter, just north of Mankato. The, the Fighting Doug Edwards. Yeah. Advanced to Sweet 16, and I think I told you this. I Whenever the bracket comes out, I always look at it from, like, there's 16 different four-team four tournaments. And I can't think of a better four-team tournament as far as, like, the storylines and the results as this one because you have St. Mary's beating Kentucky, who is a national champion, like, almost like, a fa- like one of the favorites to win it all. Yeah. They beat them in overtime. The other game was Murray State over San Francisco, also... One of the best games of the tournament so yeah, far. In overtime, Jamari Bouye, which, number one, is an amazing name. Yeah. Like, it's almost like you're, like, torn. Like, I want to boo someone, but then it's like, yay, also. You know, Bouye. <laughs> it really is hitting at the emotions. Though. Yeah. <laughs> but he did his best... He he did his best Kemba impression in that first game. He 36 sure points, and I was happy every time he scored just because I got to hear that name, Bouye. Booyah! Yes. Hey. And then St. Peter's beats Murray State tonight. Yeah, in quite a in quite a game too. You know, I mean, it was it was nip and tuck basically the entire way. St. Peter has had a uh, had a had a borderline like what like a four to ten point lead basically the entire time, and you just kind of kept waiting for Murray State to to make a run and close things down. Every time they got close, it, it was like St. Peter's all weekend. It wasn't. It, it felt. It, it didn't feel fluky, right? It didn't feel like they got up to a huge lead and they just kind of survived. Like, they kept taking punches from these teams, and they just kind of kept punching back. Yeah. And it seemed like whenever, especially in that Kentucky game, I can think of at least twice from the moment it was like two minutes left in regulation to the end of the game where they were down two, and who did they go to? My boy, Doug Eddard. 
Just a big shot guy. He Go look, get her. Big he, balls. He looks like someone who, like, earlier in the day, like... He, who's the actor? I can't think of his name. He's on, uh... He's on, like, super bad. He's, like, not Jonah Hill. Like, the skinny dude. Not McLovin. I can't think of his name. But I saw this one picture. It was, like... He looks like someone who, like, just happened to stumble upon a movie scene one day. And, and like, they just put him in, like, a show. But he's too awkward to tell him that he wasn't an actor. Yeah. And he's just been doing it ever since. Just stuck around. That's how I feel about like Doug Like, he just kind of showed up at the St. Peter's, like, practice. And they're like, wait, yeah. who are you again? We yeah. didn't offer you a scholarship. He's like, uh, bullshit. <laughs> Watch me score on all these guys. I'm gonna just, he's like, I guess I'll play basketball. Yeah, I'm going to keep scoring. <laughs> Find someone who can guard me, bitch. He looks like he was just doing tax returns earlier today. And he's like, okay, I got to go play well, basketball. Well, we are, we are getting to that time. It right? is tax season, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Doug Edder locked in as a CPA on April 15th. Maybe it's not April. Maybe it's not uh, Archie Miller anymore. It's Doug Edder. You know, Doug Edder, for more than more reason than one, sleeps in May. Yeah. Not March or April. No. Yeah. No. Sorry, we're getting lost in this Memphis-Gonzaga game here. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else on that little tourney run there? No, I mean, I just, you're right. I think it was, it, I mean, it was noisy, right? I mean, it was, it was most certainly noisy. And it, it feels like, 15 seeds are becoming, I, I don't know, it feels like in the last 10 years or so, five in, the 5-12 upset's always been super popular, right? Everybody's always looked for that 5-12 upset. The second the bracket comes up, which 12 seed's going to knock off a 5? And You're basically just scrambling the numbers there, the 5-12 to, the, to make it 2-15. Yeah, and, yeah, I mean, it sure seems like more and more lately in recent years, you're seeing a lot more 13s beat 4s. You're seeing a lot more 14s beat 3s. I mean, and we routinely now get 15s beating twos. I mean, we had we had Florida Gulf Coast do it over Georgetown. What a flopping little bitch! Yeah, Chet Holmgren just got annihilated, and Tried. and it was an and one. Duran just imposed his will on him in the post there. Yeah, just maybe, under two minutes left maybe for you those watching. Being a skinny little bitch. <laughs> Fucking no, stand I, there! What a turd. You make a good point. Like I, I don't I, know what they called you, actually, because we're listening on mute. I can't actually tell. Did they call an offensive foul on that? Oh, I hope not. That upsets me so much if they did. They what was the score? Have, I can't remember. I don't either. All I know is he leveled him and dunked all over him. So. <laughs> um, we make a good point. Like, I'd be curious to see, like, in the tap. Like, if someone, someone, I wonder if someone has, like, data, like, just, like, averaging, like, all the seeds that make the round of 32 just average out that number. And see what it is. It's probably a lot higher now yeah. than it used to be. Yeah, yeah. I'd be curious because you that. get. You mean last year we had a, like a fifteen, we had a couple fourteens. The year before that, I feel like we had. Well, we had a sixteen. Obviously, we've had we've had fourteens and fifteens. We had. Uh, it just it just seems like routinely now that that happens a lot more. And yeah. I'm curious. You know, maybe that's a bit. Maybe there's a big picture thing to take away from that. Maybe it's really just it's a one and done tournament situation, and it just happens. But. Um, you know, it just seems like some of these, maybe college basketball is just getting a lot flatter. And, and the big boys up top get younger and younger because it's freshmen and sophomores who, who are there and then they're there to leave. And at some of those smaller schools, they're they're older guys. You know, you look at St. Peter's, it's juniors and seniors. And, you know, maybe that, that they're obviously not going to go win a national title because of that. But when it comes to just one, one, one kind of big game, some of these younger, more inexperienced teams get a little more rattled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I say that, and then I think to myself, well, Kentucky wasn't like that. This Kentucky team was different than all the other Kentucky teams because they had juniors and seniors, and they still didn't find a way. Yep. You know, so I don't know. I just I don't think there's really much, like, some sort of big picture, 30,000-foot view takeaway from it. It's just, this is March. 
Yeah, it is March. All right, so, you know, that's St. Peter's. Um, let's get into probably the biggest game of the day, Biggs. Is this good for the tournament? I want you to, I want you to answer that. Is a 15 seed getting to the I, Sweet I, 16 I, good for the tournament? Is it bad for the tournament? Is it neutral for the tournament? I'm fine with one of them. Now, I could very well see them just laying an egg next the next game against either Purdue or, Purdue or Texas. We don't know that yet because – no, it's a Saturday night right now. It's not Sunday. This game hasn't taken place yet. Right. We have to do that one in the future. Yeah. And then go back into the past again. Yeah. And then go back to the future to when we... And then plant a, plant a thought in someone's head, like yes. Leonardo DiCaprio did. You ever seen that movie, Inception? Yes, I have seen Inception. God, good. That, that was a good movie. That was I a long movie. movie you've seen. <laughs> but, like, I remember, I think last year, they, there's a stat out there where it's like, the only number seed that didn't advance the round of 32 was 16. There's a 1 through 15 in the round of 32. That won't be the case this year. I don't think any no. 14 seeds won this time. I don't Did any 13? I don't think so. I'm trying to think. 12 was Richmond. Yeah, I'm trying to think. The 13s were Chattanooga. They lost. Akron lost. Uh, Vermont lost. And uh, South Dakota State. So, yeah, no. all the 13s and 14s got taken out. So, we don't have that much noise, which was which was re- representative of a pretty chalky Friday. Yep. Thursday was super noisy, right? Yep. A lot of upsets. The 15 knocked off. We had a bunch of 12s. We had a couple of 11s. Um, Friday was mostly chalk. Yep. So, you're right. I think that's probably okay. We've always talked about this, right? You don't want an upset is fun for the first day. I'm fine with like one. You don't want. You, yep. You don't yep. want too many. Yep. But you know, you know, I'm just waiting to get to this topic because you know I am. The game of the day. The game that started it all. North Carolina Whoa. gets a massive win, knocks off the first one seed of the tournament. Yeah. Um, the defending national champions. Defending national cha- cha- champions. I saw a stat a couple days ago where the defending national champions have not made the second week since like 2016, I want to say. So that stat continues. It lives on. And what a roller coaster of emotions the game was. Yeah, it was everything sports are supposed to be, right? I mean, man. It, it, as a as a as a biased fan, which we are as North Carolina fans, you go. You're thinking, man, we're up by thirty minutes into the game. They are up by twenty five points. Yeah. You go into this weekend thinking, this North Carolina team, the range of emotions all season, right? We went into the year thinking maybe this North Carolina team could be actually pretty good. The pieces are kind of there for a rebound season after two kind of shit years, right? By North Carolina standards, and they start off the year. Not very good. They can't beat anybody good. They lose to Purdue. They lose to Tennessee. They get blown out by Kentucky. They get blown out by Miami. They get blown out by Wake Forest. They get blown out by Duke. Mm -hmm. And it was at that moment that it's just like, I'm all the way out on North Carolina. There were different moments where it's like, all right, I'm kind of out. I'm kind of a little more out. A little more out. I'm all the way out after that loss to Duke. And they had a couple guys step away from the team. They, they figured some things out, I think, with their rotation in that they trimmed it. They mm-hmm. basically play five and a half guys. Yep. They, they come back and they beat Duke. You know, so you go into this tournament, and, and, and from you know to me, I'm thinking, I don't want to necessarily believe in this team because every time I do, and I think, man, this team's good. I'm going to get my hopes up. It, it's, it inevitably is followed up. That's a big shot. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Memphis. Memphis just hit a, two. hit a three to go down shit. two with 32 seconds left. It's getting, it's getting into fouling territory. They have to do it now if they don't Yeah, they're going to have to. But, but Gonzaga, like, you want to probably follow this kid. Like, Gonzaga also might not get across half court. 
But, you know, it's interesting. Like, the story of the first half was R.J. Davis. Yeah. The story of the second half for the first 10 minutes was Brady Manic. Was Brady Manic. And then he was probably the story of the second 10 minutes indirectly. The next 10 minutes was just North Carolina having only one really ball handler. Like, I'd say one and a half. Leaky Black is a half of a ball handler. Not a good one. Um, no one wanted to take the like the shot for them. Um, and you know, a couple unsung heroes I can think of. First one, you know, Leaky Black did do a good, good, good job defensively. Um, you know, we shit him on all the time, but he's actually been very good defensively lately. He's always been good defensively, but he's, like, he's always I, been a good defender. I feel like you know, lately he's just been better though. Yeah, he's you, you, you trust he's the guy that you sick on the other team's opposing top guy, and, yep. and Adam Flagler and James Akinjo, the two Baylor guards. Um, they they got their points. I think the two of them combined for forty seven points, but they took forty five shots to get it. Yeah, they they pumped up high numbers. Like Baylor was not efficient offensively, and, and you saw what North Carolina is a fully actualized like what they are capable of. Um, they're capable of getting up by twenty five against yep. a, a good a good Baylor team. Now probably not the fourth best team in the country, probably the weakest and most vulnerable one seed Baylor. Mm-hmm. But they got up by twenty five points yep. and they were cooking. You take Brady Manic out of the game, and it just feels like that took their energy. I think you said he's basically kind of the emotional connector for them, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, I mean, I, I I questioned I've questioned at different points, basically all season consistently, that I don't think they're very tough. I think they're pretty soft, and boy, they they looked very soft, giving up a twenty five point lead, and they had a chance to even you know they come up really small. They got to overtime, and and I, I told you. Do we even want to watch this right now? Because I have, I give them no shot, mm-hmm. and they they found a way. That's super impressive. When you basically play five guys and you lose two of them, you know, going into the final five minutes of regulation, you give up a twenty five point lead. That's super difficult to turn that back on. Now, right, and you have one guy. They clearly had one guy who wanted the basketball. I don't even know if he wanted the basketball, but he was forced into having the basketball. And yep. RJ Davis, and they just and they just found a way to grind out a win, and that's um, that is impressive. And now they're in the Sweet 16, which is which is amazing. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned RJ Davis. I told you earlier he, and almost look. Remember Russell Westbrook the year, the first year that like Kevin Durant had like left to go to the Warriors. It almost felt like he felt probably that burden, the Russell Westbrook burden from that year where he has to do everything. Um, but the other unsung here, I don't think we mentioned his name yet. Is maybe maybe did you say Dontre Styles? You probably did. Okay. I don't know. He was I don't okay. Know if I did. Yeah, he but played like, nice minutes. You know, he got thrust into action, you know, about basically when Manic got ejected. Um had, I want to say he had nine points, you know, had some you know, had some solid rebounds, had some timely baskets. But the most important was, you know, I talked about like no one wanted to shoot us. Well, I think it was our first possession in the second half or with within the first minute of the or, or of overtime, I should say. You know, he catched it on the wing, he's got a little space, but not enough, does a quick little jab. Steps back for the three and drills it to yeah. get the first bucket. That was a big, that. big bucket. So credit to him. And, yeah, they are on to the Sweet 16. And for all it, – it's got to be a little, like, liberating for them, especially for Hubie after. You know, he's heard a lot of noise from a lot of complaints. Um, you know, some people, like, up until, like, the last couple of weeks didn't even think they should be in the tournament. And now, you know, a little vindication for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, now the, I mean, who knows? Maybe I mean, like I said, this is a team that the pieces all when they when they're clicking and they're playing well, the pieces fit. And there's not, the questions about this Carolina team all season have not been related to their talent. Mm-hmm. They're talented enough. They've got plenty of talented guys. They've got pieces that actually like 
coalesce nicely and they fit together on paper. It's just, you know, can they go and do it in practice? And they've, they've been doing it more or less, you know, for the last month and a half. Mm-hmm. They're, they're playing their best basketball at the end of the season, which is exactly what you want. They're talented enough to go on a run. And, I mean, to extend this run. They have UCLA next, which we'll talk about. You know, you've got UCLA coming up, which is a team that I think that could be a really, really good Sweet 16 game. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'd say their biggest worry now, and, and you saw it rear its ugly head today, is depth. You know, you saw it when Manic, you know, got ejected and then Caleb Love went out. Like, they don't have a lot of guys to play. No, luckily they're playing a UCLA team that also doesn't have a ton of depth either. Yeah. You know, and that depth might even be further compromised if we, we figure out what's going on with Jaime Jaquez. Yeah. You know, he went down, and, and we probably move on to that game now. But Yeah, let's do um, it. That's, that's their Sweet 16 matchup is UCLA, a team that had to grind out. Basically, really their first-round game gave them a bigger trouble than their second-round game, their first-round matchup against Akron. They were they were in a dogfight late into that game. Mm-hmm. Found a way to win, basically, thanks to Tiger Campbell kind of stepping up and making some big shots. And, you know, against St. Mary's, they kind of – they were in a dogfight for probably like 32, 33 minutes, and then they kind of separated and ended up winning by like 17 or 18, I think. But, you know, it's it's obviously a team that we've talked about a ton. They went into the year ranked number two in the preseason. We asked, is it fluky? They've had different points in this season where you think, maybe. Maybe it was fluky. Mm-hmm. And then other points in the year where you're like, damn, okay, this team's pretty damn good. Yep. Here they are on the Sweet 16. And, you know, if you're a UCLA guy, bracket looks pretty nice. You now don't have to beat Baylor. And you might you know, you match up nicely against Carolina. You probably think, we've got a great chance. We're probably more talented than they are. they got a great shot at getting into another Final Four here for a second year in a row. Yeah. Depending, I, I do think a big key to that, though, is, is the status of Jaime Hawkins, yeah. which we don't know about at this moment. Have you, have you even looked up on Twitter yet? No, I haven't. And, like, they probably won't know. Like, I don't know. Like, if, say, it's not going to come up. Say if it did, like, tomorrow. start swelling up, like, a ridiculous amount. Like, would that be tonight it started? Or probably tomorrow that, morning. Yeah, to say it wouldn't be quite yeah. yet. Uh, so they're probably just holding their breath just to see how tomorrow morning goes. But, no, it's an interesting game. And St. Mary's led for a good portion of the first half. But, you know, eventually UCLA got the lead, um, never really looked back, and just sort of you know, steadily extended it throughout throughout the second half. Um, and, yeah, you mentioned that Jaime Hawkins goes down with a, some sort of ankle sprain, probably high ankle sprain. You know, they showed him, like, trying to walk back to the locker room, and he was struggling, to say the least. Yeah, he looked like an old man. Yeah, and eventually came back, just sat on the bench, and he, he like maybe, maybe now he's put on a shoe. Um, he did not put a shoe back on during the. No, he's on I the don't bench. have that update available. Yeah, unfortunately, um, I'm, he, not, I'm not in that room. People are wondering. It is being titled Shoegate. Has he put a shoe on yet? So it's almost like Jr. What LeBron is saying. It's almost like Jr. Smith when he didn't have a shirt for like a week after they won the title. There was a, that was a thing. Yes, you like you got like the parade and then that like. Little parties without a shirt on. That does sound extremely J.R. Smith. Yes. What a wild person. What a weirdo. Um, but UCLA, I mean, man, it's it's another team where, you know, kind of like UNC, where you just look at their pieces and it's like, God, there's no reason why they can't, the winner of that game, there's no reason why the winner of that game can't beat Purdue, Purdue or Texas or no. St. Peter's and, and go to a Final Four and no. do some damage. I mean, even without Jaime Jaquez, you've still got Juzang, who's who's solid. You know what you're going to get. I don't think he's been as good this year as a lot of people were thinking he would be. Right. But he's still, you know, and he, you just can't discount that kid. Mm-hmm. Tiger Campbell, I think, has made huge improvements as a shot maker, just kind of an alpha point guard. And, and Jules Bernard is kind of like the, he's like a perfect, like, third or fourth guy in that, like, 
God, and he, I feel like he's very capable of like personifying Clark Kellogg's like spurtability. Like he can go off for like 22 and a half, I feel like. And then he can kind of, he can kind of drift out and, and, and then drift back into the game and like make an impact. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like they've still got a lot of firepower and I, I still like the style of play and that they, they still have the Mick Cronin, the Mick Cronin DNA is still in them and that they, they want, they play slow. They play good defense. You know, they've got shot makers who can like, who can take over in sections of a game, but they don't need, that's not a, you know, we, we hear guys analyze like some of these teams like Purdue and it's like, they need to make shots. And I know it's like a basketball thing. You have to make shots. Right. But like it, this tournament has shown us a lot of these teams are struggling to make shots. And if you can't play defense, you're in big time trouble. UCLA can, can win sections of a basketball game because of their awesome defense. But then they've got so many guys to turn to offensively, you know, when, when they need to go get buckets too. You yep. know what I mean? Like they can win on both ends of the floor. Yep. Gonzaga yep. avoids the upset. That would have been huge. Um, Actually, we get to that. Actually, they're, they're marching on. I actually have one more note from the UCLA game. Um, marching? Yeah, it's, March, pretty, it's, it's in March. Yeah, It's March, yeah. They're marching on. <laughs> Let's see, we'll get to that game. I only have one more note from the UCLA game, and that is uh, when Cody Riley's going to be lobbying to be a guard in practice this week after that stroke that he had. The, Boy. The three-point stroke. It was smooth. You like was that like Alfonso Plummer out there shooting that? that? Basically. You know what I mean? Like He was like yeah. a 6'9", Alfonso Plummer. Yeah. Oof. No. So that's, that's going to be tough for Armando. He can't go. Yeah, or or can't are you thinking that's exactly players. what you want if you're going to play UCLA? It's like, hey, keep shooting more of those because let's just, let's, there's a good chance he's not going to make as many. Let's as a podcast lobby for him to be shooting threes yeah. and get his confidence up. So like that's sometimes, sometimes you play against those guys where it's like the best thing that could – like the worst thing that could happen is they actually make a shot right away mm-hmm. because then they'll keep shooting. Yep. You know? So maybe he's like that. Yeah. Maybe it's like him making that shot is actually playing right into our hands. Yep. All right, so that uh, that Gonzaga Memphis game just got over, and Gonzaga wins by what four, and you know Memphis completely controlled the first half. You know they're up by ten. I think you had, I don't know if you remember this still. Like you said, you stated if Memphis w- scores the first bucket of the second half, they will win. They did score the first bucket of the second I half. I can't confirm if they scored buckets though. Maybe they made two free throws. That, that count? No, it went like because we had it up. The score and it, yeah, went, it did just go. It jumped. Two, it jumped it? up by two right away. So, um, you were I was wrong. wrong. <laughs> the Gary Parish, I was wrong. Um, I'm wrong a lot. You know, I can't keep track anymore of how many times I'm wrong. Yeah. No story. Of the first half was Memphis. Story. Of the second half was Drew Timmy. I, I see how many points he has had for the game because I know he had four in the first half. Yeah, he was he was outstanding. I mean, he had like he had like 18 of their first. There was a there was a point early in the first ha- or in the second half where Timmy had eighteen points and Memphis had twenty in the second half. I mean, Timmy just went to work. He had twenty five for the game, so that's so twenty one points in the, in the second, second half. half. Andrew he, Nemhard had twenty three, so he was great too. And that's, great? and that's kind of what at the beginning of the year we were talking about. Hey, Gonzaga might have a situation where they've got the best point guard in college basketball and the best center in college basketball, uh, and they played like it tonight. Yeah, and I think the real story of tonight's game, Imani Bates is back. Um, he he had a little uh little fadeaway there. Did you how back? Uh, like a quarter of the way back, all the way back, quarter of the way, halfway back. Yeah. So um, you know, and actually, we talked about this. Like, we we're gonna be pissed if Memphis won this, just because like that just would would have made Duke's route to the Final Four that much easier. But as of right now, they have not made the Sweet Sixteen. So just throw that out there. We'll see what happens when we go back in time. But. Yeah. I, I was worried. I mean, I'll be honest. The, the first half was concerning, and the way Gonzaga's looked here, 
I, I know Gonzaga has reached the point where it's hard to really analyze any individual game like this because it's just like, no, just call me when they get to the Final Four, basically, and then we'll start evaluating. But they looked they looked very much like the Gonzaga teams of old that were kind of the little engine that could type of teams that, that would have really good years. They'd pile up wins. They would play good teams even, and they, and they would win some games. But they would run into teams like Memphis, who were bigger, more athletic, just quicker, faster, all that stuff, and, and they would get exposed, right? And, and Memphis and the, uh, Gonzaga, over the last like five, six years, has really leveled up as a program where now they're adding those kind of athletes. Mm-hmm. Last year, right, they were like the biggest, fastest, most athletic team up until they played against Baylor. They looked very much like the Memphis teams of old year. They looked exposed. They looked small. They looked slow. Memphis kind of was, was out, like the physicality of Memphis was really giving them a hard time. And I've seen that at different points this year with, with this Gonzaga team. When they played Duke, I felt like that. They looked really slow against Duke. And, and Duke, I know, is obviously, you know, built on another level when it comes to, like, just their size and their athleticism. Texas Tech gave them troubles even though they beat them. Um, you know, some of these different teams that get physical with them, give them a hard time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, is this going to be the end of this Gonzaga run in the second round? They turn it on in the second half, but I think it's going to be interesting to see now how they handle the teams that they've got, they're going to have to go through at this point. All play a really physical, tough ass brand of basketball. Arkansas, which we can get into coming up here, we just kind of keep moving along. Yeah, Arkansas is a defensive kind of anchor team, and they're going to be really fresh because they didn't even play on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. You know. The Virginia JV team. Played. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into that. And like, you know, we purposely, you know, I didn't. I don't know if you teach your students this, but I remember my English teacher say, you know, whenever you're writing like a story, start strong and strong. You know, yep. inverted period. And so in the middle is a snooze fest, and we have a couple snooze fest games here. Uh, the first one, Arkansas, New Mexico State were not able to make it to their venue. I'm not sure where it is. Their bus, bus, both buses. Well, there's been a shortage of pilots. That's true. That's true. It's a national like pandemic going on. Yeah. And I, you know, Virginia, the basketball team just happened to be there. So they played an intra-squad scrimmage. Uh, Final score is 52 to 48. Virginia took on the mascots of all of these teams. Yes. (laughs) Have you seen that commercial? That's great. The turtle steps out of the car. And he's just walking super slow, and all the other mascots are like, "Come on, let's go!" The badger. And he's just tur- he's just turtling. He's just going super slow. Oh my gosh! But it, one of the better commercials I've seen, along with some of these progressive commercials. These yeah, ones I do. Are, like these ones, ones are terrific. But in all seriousness, um, our, it's it's tough to get serious after all that. Arkansas. I have to be serious about Arkansas. I have I have these stats here for you. Disgusting. Final score. I think it was like fifty two forty eight. A Virginia score, but. Arkansas, 28% from the field, 19% from three, 11 turnovers. New Mexico State, 34%, 20, 34% field goal range, or field goal, 23% from three, 17 turnovers. Yeah, that's not that's not great. Ideally, at the end of the season here, we're, we're watching the best teams play and the best teams know how to execute. And I understand, like, I am actually not the type of person who wants every single basketball game, kind of like football. I don't want to just watch nothing but shootouts. I don't want to watch 97 to like 95 college basketball games every game. Right. Once in a while, that's fun. But I don't really think sometimes like I, I like watching good defense. There's a difference between good defense and atrocious offense. And, and a lot of these guys were just, they were just missing makeable shots. They were kicking the ball around. 
it's been kind of a problem this entire tournament. It feels like there's been a lot of teams who just really struggle offensively. And, and we can we can talk about you know why that has been happening over the last few years. I've got a bunch of different theories. But, man, I mean, in theory here, we're at the end of the season here where we've got the best, you know, 30 to 50 teams in the country. We're at 24 at this moment of the podcast. Like, why can't these teams execute offensively? Why, why can't these teams – like, why can't they get – a basket once in a while, you yeah. know, why can't we get to 50 points? It's uh, it's ugly. Now I do, I do think some of that is Arkansas is really good defensively. Mm-hmm. They're tough. And the short turnaround probably is tough on some of these teams, like the emotions late in the year. I think the buttholes get super tight uh, and you're afraid to make mistakes, which means you're almost like afraid to go just play. You don't play very free. Mm-hmm. So there's probably some of that, like the, the psychology, but <clears throat> I, I do feel like, Arkansas, if when we're just looking at this now, looking forward, how they potentially match up with Gonzaga, I do think that they've got the type of pieces that can slow that game down, turn it into a, turn it into a kind of fight in the mud, and and maybe give Gonzaga a little trouble. Yeah, that should be a good game. And you know, another take before we get to the next guy, I just want to mention Teddy Allen, Teddy Buckets, as you call him. Yeah. 37 well, points. I just feel like, he, he struggled against Arkansas. I, I just feel like the new thing is to whenever there's a guy who like scores a lot, you just take their first name and then add buckets to it, and it just okay. makes them sound really cool. So like Jamari buckets, but I like Bouye better. Yeah, Bouye buckets. Yeah, that works too. Jamari but, buckets Bouye. Yeah. Buckets are in like the, the the quotations, you know. Jamari buckets Bouye. Okay, I go with that. Jamari buckets actually kind of rolls off the tongue nicely too. If your name is Jamari, you better be a good basketball player. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Jamari isn't a guy who's just, like... Doing taxes. Like, bringing you mail or something. Yeah. You really like the doing your taxes. That's, like, the everyday job. Yeah, it is. What about, like, working at a factory? Like, Jamari's not, like... At, at the new Amazon factory that just popped up. Yeah, like, he's not, he's not working on, like, the line. Like, folding up, uh, like, uh... Oh, in college, I worked on... Like, no, well, I worked, I worked on, a, on a line where, like, they had, like, frozen food that would come through. And you'd have to, like, make, like like egg kind of like omelet things and then put them together and then they'd freeze them, you know, and that's where you get like your breakfast sandwiches. Really? Yeah. Like I can't see Jamari doing that. You're just a working man, Biggs. I had to. Yeah. yeah. I, I respect Not that. afraid to do so. Yeah. Um, but he had 37 points in their first round game and, you know, it was almost, he was almost a story of that first day, to be honest. Um, Teddy Buckets was? Yeah, Teddy Buckets. Yeah, he was one of the, he was one of the stars, that's yeah, for sure. I mean, he just lit up UConn. You know, he's probably second place behind Doug Eddard, for sure. Maybe, yeah. Jamari Bouye in a loss. Yep. You know, that was a fun game. But, yeah, Arkansas moving on. Yep. Um, another game, One, another one of the snoozers, Providence, you know, lucks out a, what, 20-point win over Richmond? They're just lucking over all these teams yeah. right now. Um, they lucked out like, over South Dakota State. Did you see South Dakota State that game? Just telling all these teams to luck off. There, there wasn't, like, a dead ball until, like, it was, like, 11 minutes and 12 seconds ago in the first half or 12. Like, that was the first dead ball. Which game? The South Dakota State versus Providence first round game. No kidding. And honestly, one of the underrated things I root for, I always love it when, like, say if it like the play spans a whole media timeout. Yeah, I, do, I, I, I love do that. Enjoy that. I, yeah, you just know the TV execs it, do not like that. It's though. a secondary thing I root for. All right. Yeah, yeah it's an underrated kind of like a, a weird prop bet kind of situation. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd be cool with that. I don't know. Are we ever going to like? Is and by, by we I mean like the college basketball media. Are we ever going to acknowledge that Providence is just good? Yeah. Under right now. Providence is good. Transfer, 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 transfer. 
In the words of Jeff of Good- power. In the words of Jeff Goodman. I don't even know what that means. All four, like, there's a picture of, like, four guys at a... Right, but I don't even know what he's trying to imply. I, I don't know, yeah, I don't know if he, like, hates the transfer portal. Do you like, want to go through like, all the teams he, remaining in the he field honestly, and figure might, out who He honestly might be advocating for it, to be honest. Yeah, like, hey, transfer to Providence, because apparently you can just win by 30 in the second round of the NCAA tournament and get to the Sweet 16. Yeah. Either way, You want to look at Arkansas's roster? Their entire starting five is almost transfers. Mm-hmm. Bitching about that one? Well, apparently not, because we're... We got a big old... Man crush on Eric Musselman. True. You know. Gonzaga, they got transfers. Best starting backcourt. Transfers. It's world transfers. Michigan, transfers. Speaking of Michigan, that's our next game. Oh, is it? All right, sweet. You know, I'm starting to think Michigan is very Syracuse-y. That's a good, that's a good they, comparison. They, they, get it it, they, like... they get in, you know, by the skin of their teeth. Um... Usually as an 11 seed, and then they win a couple. Usually games. as an 11. When did the when else did they do that? Didn't they have few that year that like they're playing around off the runway and they no broke? they won the Big Ten tournament that year they were like a seven seed were they that high yeah. still okay yeah. the Dirk Walton that was a okay. squad but they still like they they have these runs late in the season um, they've been yeah they're consistent well they they had a graphic up earlier today where they have like twenty something wins in the NCAA tournament since uh, give me a year and it was like the most in the country and they haven't won the title but it's like. I mean, yeah, they had that Derek Walton team that got to the Sweet 16. That won a, maybe they had a team that won a play-in game and got deep. They had the team that got to the national title game. They had a one seed last year uh, that got to the Elite Eight. It's, yeah, all they seem to do is 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 peak in March, and it's like they just they don't lose. So it is a little Syracuse-y in that. Like, I don't know if they're getting in necessarily by the skin of their teeth. This team is particularly. But it does feel like Michigan – Every tournament just – that was a really pretty move by Timmy there. Wow. We're watching how he plays now. <clears throat> it does feel like uh, – Timmy's feet are like Alfonso Plummer's jump shot. That was a travel right like there. Like his, his footwork is just – His pivot foot uh, lifted up. I didn't call that. It's just like a dancing Go, go back. Um, that basket doesn't count. You have to replay from that point. He's like a ballerina. It's so pretty watching him move. But no, um, Tennessee outscored by 13 a second. They had like a five-point lead in the first – um, sort of uh, blew their load a little bit in the first, um, much like came up small. Yeah, you know, much like uh, their first round opponents. Um, One pump chump Longwood. Yeah, Longwood. You know, they came, uh, exposed themselves. You know, onto the basketball court. Yeah. Um, they came and they went. Yeah, yeah. Short lived experience. You know, we all we all get it. It happens to us all. You know, they're not as big as they thought they were. No, they came up. They came up small. Could not perform under pressure. I had other ones too. There are other sex. <laughs> there are other sex jokes. Um, short-lived experience. For short-lived experience. Yeah, hate pop, to see it. Pop their tournament cherry, but it's short-lived. Yeah, they blew. They blew their load early, and they couldn't rally. Unfortunately. Yep. Tough to see. Tough to see. Yeah, came up soft. <laughs> you know, Tennessee takes a. Uh, you know, Tennessee takes advantage of soft teams. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's just, it's like such a weird thing. I mean, we talk about like, everybody's obsessed with at this time of year, momentum. You know, Ohio State playing like dog shit going into the tournament. So we all pick Loyola Chicago. Loyola Chicago then plays like shit and Ohio State's now in the second round, which we'll see what the result is on Sunday. South Dakota State was hot. South Dakota State was hot. Tennessee was playing like they everybody. All the all the narrative was was like Tennessee should have been a one seed maybe or a two seed. Mm-hmm. Michigan probably shouldn't have been in the tournament. 
And, and here we are now. And, mm-hmm. and I do think Michigan, I mean, there's a good team in there. They were ranked in the top five at the beginning of the season, not because we're all idiots. Mm-hmm. And they just, they kind of disappointed for a long stretch of the year. Yep. They're, they're playing really well. Hunter Dickinson was a guy that everybody had as kind of an All-American. And I, th- I think he got off to a really slow start this year. I'd love to see, without doing a lot of research on this, like the first and second half of the season splits for that kid. I bet you, I mean, there was a good chunk into the year where he was averaging like 13 points a game. And it was like, why isn't Michigan better? Well, you can point to, you know, the freshmen haven't been as good as we thought they'd be. Mm-hmm. Transfers, the transfers haven't been maybe as good as we thought they'd be. But I think the biggest thing is, like, your All-American big man has not performed like an All-American big man. Oh. Um, he sure performed like an All-American big man on Saturday. What do you have, 28, 12, and like five assists or something? Felt I mean, ridiculous. He was like... He was stroking the 3-2. Knocked, on, knocked on a couple threes. I yeah. mean, he had the... He had like the, uh, the he put the guy in the spin cycle a couple times. He was making some crazy long kind of baby hook shots. He was he was as the kids say like in his bag, which is another Ooh. one I don't really understand. Where's this bag coming from? I don't really I don't get know. that one. I don't get it either. Like it's kind of the same. He was like a bucket. He was a bucket. Yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> it's really stupid. Like yeah. Carlos Correa, the Twins just signed him. He's a base hit. Oh, boy. he's a walk. He's a put out from shortstop. He's a yeah. He's a put out. <laughs> Speaking of not putting out, <laughs> a long one, long one. Oh man, they tried. They couldn't last long enough. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, Michigan advancing into the Sweet Sixteen, and you just if you take away just the number from that, you look at Michigan, and it's hard to ever really see them as like a as an underdog. I know they're an eleven seed, and whoever they play against, they're going to be the lower seeded team. But there's no reason when you just stack the players up. They've got enough talent, mm-hmm. right? And whether or not they play Villanova or Ohio State, Hunter Dickinson could be the best player on the floor. You know, and Eli Brooks has been in these huge moments. This was a team that was in the Elite Eight last year with some of these guys at least. Yep. And Jawan Howard, I think, is is a good coach. And you know, they've got they've got like I said, they've got the pieces. So it's too bad because I, I did like that Tennessee group. You know, they were they were fun to watch, and it would have been nice to see them go a little further. But you can take the uh, you can take the the you take the lancer out of the longwood but you can't take the frontier out of tennessee yeah yeah rick barnes i mean he just that's what they do man tennessee just they they find a way to underachieve in the tournament well it's not tennessee it's rick barnes they always get to the tournament and they underachieve and that's what mm-hmm. they did again so yeah bummer hmm. all right we got one more game here Biggs. um kansas out of the one seeds they probably had the easiest go around about it you know um Close throughout the first half. Um, I remember coming down. Um, I had left the room in the second half about halfway through, and I came back, and, I, and like, I think it was about tied when I left, and by the time I came back, it was like a six- or seven-point lead for Kansas, and I just go, I think they're going to win by 20. Just because it seemed like the tides were going to turn, they're just going to bust open the game. <clears throat> but, you know, credit to Creighton, who was without um, Cockbrenner, and, you know, Kansas had their opportunities to break it open, but Creighton just would not allow it. And, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they really never did. You're right. I mean, Kansas, I think, has got to be smelling a pretty good opportunity here to go deep. Even if there hasn't been a lot of noise in their bracket, they're going to play against Providence. Well, someone's got to go deep. Right, and I think Kansas, I mean, the way the way that they're playing right now, I, 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 do, I just like the way they're playing. Even though they didn't get away, it felt like the, you kept waiting for them to go on that run and put Creighton away, and they never could. You're right. But I do like the way they're playing, and, and Remy Martin has come back and given them some juice. He had 20 today. He's been a good six man. He basically lost his spots, his starting spots. Well, he got hurt. 
and he never got it back. Right. It, it doesn't even matter. Like the starting thing is like I, I don't really care. I mean, he still plays a lot, and I just think I think he's in a really good role where the pecking order is very established. Abaji is our guy. We're going to play through McCormick and Jalen Wilson inside. Christian Brown is going to be a secondary creator and a transition terror. And Remy Martin is a guy that, you know, if he's cooking, you you kind of let him stay in a little bit. He's like J.J. Barea back in the day. He's like that perfect sixth man where if he's cooking, you let him stay in and you let him keep going. But I feel like because he hasn't been given the rope to be like an offensive driver, it does seem like a lot. He, he's producing really good lately, like a lot of the little stuff. I feel like he plays better defense than I ever remember in playing at Arizona State. Mm-hmm. And that's probably Bill Self saying, hey, you're, you're not getting on the floor unless you play some defense. Yep. Right? But he, he plays good defense. He does a lot of the little things now. He he looks to to facilitate. And he is a guy who can also, at the end of the shot clock, when things break down, Kansas really doesn't have, as good as Abaji is, they don't really have a guy that you can just get us out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't have a get-out-of-jail-free type of guy. Mm-hmm. And he's probably the closest thing to it, maybe. So I think Kansas is as complete as they've been all year. McCormick is playing well. Jalen Wilson is starting to play better. Like he started the year really slow, and he's he's been picking it up. I think Abaji's kind of wearing down a little bit, to be mm-hmm. honest. He hasn't seemed to be the same kind of guy lately. But all those other pieces kind of coming up is maybe easing the burden for him too. Yeah. And so I, I do like the way Kansas is going right now. All right. Yeah. I don't know how much to add to that, Biggs. And I kind of want to go to bed. Good call. Yeah. So uh, we'll come back. Um, the moment after this will be at a different time. So, you know, this is coming from the past. Yeah. So see you in a bit. All right, Biggs, we're back in normal time here. We did some time traveling for the first part of this podcast. Um, and you know, just a you know, we've never done self-reflection in the middle of a podcast. Let's just do that here. I think it's cool how, you know, we took the opportunity since we were in person to pod Saturday evening, even though we knew that this pod would be like two different recorded at two different times. So, you know, back to like, I feel like all our self-reflections are just saying that we're willing to adapt. So I'm just gonna say that again. We, we did a great job adapting to these different circumstances here. I would agree. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, honestly, like being able to be flexible and malleable and, and willing to adapt is just such a lost art in today's society. People are set in their ways. People are are rigid and inflexible and unwilling to ever change their minds, do anything different than like what they had originally planned. There are people who will make a plan and just will absolutely not veer from it whatsoever. And a lot of times those people are, are, are less happy. Yeah. And, you know, just another example of us willing to adapt is the first time that we've ever done the self-reflection in the middle. We normally exactly. do it at the start or the end. So, you know, just kudos to us. Look at us. Yeah. Yeah. So the portion of this part of the podcast is to discuss the Sunday results uh, from the round of 32. And, you know, if we feel it necessary, like to, to recap some of the first round games that coincide with the Sunday results, we'll do it at that time. Um, but I'm just going to scroll through here, Biggs, and sort of give you, I'm going to give you like a little option here. Um, you're like a wide receiver in the NFL running an option route. Um, and so you can either run a button hook or you can run like a, a go pattern, you know, but Texas tech, uh, was, you know, had their fair share of troubles against Notre Dame, but they escaped with a win. A couple of other more notable ones. Um, Duke does, you know, they get the win They They led most of that game. Um, Michigan state had, um, 
I can't think of it. Gabe Brown, he, he was feeling, it, especially in the first half. And they do get the lead momentarily with about five minutes or so to go. But then Duke, uh, Duke got the lead back. They went on a pretty good run to finish that game. And so they survived. And then I think the game of the day, though, was that Arizona against TCU. Um, TCU led a good chunk of that game. Um, a little, little bit of, can we say controversy? Also, controversy slash almost an exciting finish on that final play in regulation when TCU, um, you know, some people are saying that he got run over and it should have been a foul. Um, Arizona, it was a Dalen Terry who picked up the ball and almost put in the dunk at the buzzer, but it's just just a couple like uh, split seconds away from being over in regulation. Um, but which game do you want to talk about? Yeah, let's let's start with Arizona, given that that was probably the biggest game of the day. That would have been probably the biggest story if a one seed goes down. Uh, Arizona narrowly avoids getting getting upset. And it, it was really the Ben Matherin show, right? I mean, Ben Matherin and Christian Coloco just absolutely uh, saved Arizona's season. I mean, Arizona's down three in the waning seconds of the game. Uh, they get the ball with like twenty five seconds to go, down three, and they're running. They're running offense. Their final possession is a disaster. It seems like they have just like no idea what they're doing. Things are out of whack. They're trying to get the ball to, I frankly don't know what they were trying to do there. It seems like they were trying to get Kirk Creasa a look and he had no juice. You could tell like he was definitely not feeling himself. Uh, somehow they get the ball to Matherin and just, which kind of is weird. Biggs. Fail us which out. Kirk Creasa is almost always feeling himself. Yeah. Well, he, he, he sure was, it was, he was, he was pretty bad last night and they get the ball to Matherin with like eight or 10 seconds left. And they're just like, Hey, get us something here. So he just jacks up a, a 30 footer cashes it. And, yep. and you're right. They were, they were like split. They were a split second away from actually winning the game in regulation. They go to overtime. And again, it's, it's just more Ben. It's just too much Ben Matherin, Ben Matherin and Christian Coloco. I think they combined for like 55 points. Those two guys were just absolutely dominant. And, and you saw it. I mean, TCU just does not have that kind of talent. And this is the kind of, this is the time of year where you want your big knockers to knock. And Arizona's did. Yeah, and just going to TCU, um, Mike Miles and Chuck O'Bannon are you know their main stars. But Eddie Lampkin, who I, I alluded to this last night when we were texting, um, he is my massive person of the week. The dude is – you could plug and play him on an NFL offensive line, and he would do fine, I think. I'm saying but he's probably good in purple. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> can he play left guard, though? Huh. Hopefully, <laughs> I mean, probably. <laughs> but, you know – I'm not. Sh- they showed us like season stats. And I think when I say average, like six or seven points per game during the season, he had 20 last night, career high for him. I do want to ask though, because I saw, I swear, like three or four different times where he did the too small symbol. You know, where you like put yeah. your hand towards the ground. Should there be a limit on how many times you get to do that during a game? Especially because was wasn't he doing that to Coloco, who had 28 points? Yeah, I mean, Coloco Coloco kind of dominated. I mean, Eddie Lampkin is actually bigger than I thought. I didn't think he was as tall as he is. I'm looking up his, like, measurables. He's six foot eleven. Yeah, he's massive. I didn't think he was I, – I knew he was wide. Like, I knew he was in, like, the 260 range. I thought he was, like, 6'8", I guess. I thought he was shorter than he is. Does like, the wideness was, just give the illusion that he's not as tall, maybe? Yeah, probably. That's probably yeah. what it is. I mean, you look at Coloco, and, like, he looks like he's, like, 7'5", because he's, like, long Skinny. and rangy and lanky. Right. Yep. Where Coloco is much more, like, he's, he's, he's chunk, but also tall. Like, he's big chunk. Yep. You know, but uh, yeah, I mean, he had probably the game of his life, right? I mean, he's he's played in like forty three games, and I think he scored in double figures six times. He scored twenty. I mean, he was he was outstanding. He 
in the previous three games combined against Texas, Kansas, and then in the first round game against Seton Hall, had 20 total points in those three games. He had 20 and 14 against, you know, perhaps the best front line in the country. He was terrific. You're right, though. I do think that the too small thing, like, like, come on now. Can, can we can we do the too small thing maybe like once or twice? Yeah. And then like, after that, it's like, okay, we get it. They're small. Well, then he, like, upgraded. Like, the first time he did it with one hand, and then he, like, gets another bucket and gets fouled. He does it with two hands. You know, he does yeah. it with both hands. And then I swear, like, he, like, uh, I don't know, he, he must have grabbed, like, another hand off of, like, a what's the thing like the puppets like the, the, the ventriloquist use you know and like yeah. he like used one of those hands so he had three hands um okay that that, that actually didn't happen but uh i, I thought it was going to because it, it seemed like every one would increase one hand maybe yeah, yeah yeah i don't know but i i guess here's the here's the question if kirk Creesa does too small five six seven times don't we love it isn't he isn't he just got a lot of swag yes because he has so a headband. We know how cool the headband is. He has a headband. Lampkin does? Yeah. Oh, shit. Okay, I take back everything I said. He can do whatever he wants. There we go. Do, huh? do it after every rebound from now on, even. Every single rebound you get, you just say, hey, too small. And everything you that... everything that down, you do the too small thing, you pick it up, and then you score on something. Everything that goes in the stat book. So if you attempt a three and it misses, just do the too small. The rim's too small. <laughs> The basket was too small. I can't make yes. three. The basket's too small. It's not big enough. <laughs> uh, but yes, Arizona survives their game. And, you know, I've told this before, Biggs. I have this theory that every national championship team has that scare during the tournament. Was this their scare? It very well could have been. So let's see if they can uh, use this and move on. And, you know, they have a tough matchup against Houston coming up. Um, Houston beats, uh, I got to pull it up here. Because my mind is just elsewhere right now, Biggs. Houston beats Illinois yesterday and really just controlled controlled the second half. It was closer in the first half, but really controlled that second half. Get a 15-point win and just pull away late. Did you watch the game ever thinking Illinois was going to win? Because I, I didn't spend a second of it thinking Illinois might win. No, there's those games where it's like it's close for like the first like 25, 30 minutes, like within like five points and like, you know, never a bigger deficit than that. But you can just see that like Houston's going to win and just going to pull away at the end. Yeah. I mean, just everything, everything just seems so much harder for Illinois. And and that's kind of been a theme here in a lot of these games. You can see, I mean, even against Arizona TCU, like I, I, t- I actually, I allowed myself to kind of hope it was kind of fun rooting for horn frogs. Um, but the difference between just like the overall talent, like it just seems so much harder for everything TCU got. It was like Eddie Lampkin fumbling around and getting a rebound and, and scoring through traffic. Uh, you know, a couple of their guards driving through and just making really tough finishes. And then Arizona would come back down and like get a wide open shot and they'd score the difference in how easy the baskets are coming. The same thing with like the Duke Michigan state game. It just seemed like it just stuff comes easier. That's how it felt like it's with, with Houston and, and, uh, and Illinois. Like it feels like Illinois just went so long. They went long stretches without scoring. And to end the first half, they knocked down like three threes in a row. And that kind of kept them like sort of afloat, but it was just like, God, if, if the first half was like thirty-five possessions. Like Houston just kicked their ass the first thirty-two, and you just you just never felt like Illinois had any sort of punch. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. You know, Illinois shoots thirty-four percent from the field, twenty-four percent from three-point range, and had seventeen turnovers to Houston's nine. And I'm actually going to use this part. I thought I, I wanted to revisit something earlier today, so I hopped on Ken Palm. And I think I talked about this about a month ago about how, like, outside of one year is the year, one of the years that UConn won it in the Ken Palm era. 
national championship teams. There's only been one who hasn't been in top inside the top uh, 40 adjusted offense and 25 adjusted defense. So out of the 16 remaining teams, how many would you guess fit that criteria? 40 offense and 25 in defense? Yes. Oh, I'm going to say out of the 16, blind test here, I'm going to say 12 of them rank in the top. You're way off. You're way off. It's four. There's some who are close. There's four. Four left. So four teams from this point can win the national title, Biggs. Do you want to guess those four? Arizona. Yep. Kansas. Nope. Villanova. Nope. Texas Tech. Nope. Houston. Yes, and that's that's the outlier of the four in my mind. Duke? Nope. UCLA. Ah, UCLA, okay. So that th- those are the four. And the ones who are just on the outside, um, Kansas is actually 26th in adjusted defense, so they're basically right there. And let's see, Texas Tech is 46th in offensive instead of in the top 40. Number uh, one in defense, right? Yep, Texas Tech is. Uh, Duke, Duke you would think would be closer. But they're actually forty second in defense. So say their defense is that's actually yeah. better than I thought. Their defense really? sucks. Uh, Villanova, who you mentioned, is another one. They are thirtieth in defense, so they're not too far off either. They can probably play their way up with a with a with a good Sweet Sixteen defensive game. Then, yep. And they, these are obviously subject to change, just as more game results come in. Those you know where your place in those two uh, two metrics will change. But no, just something I thought was interesting. Where's Houston? Houston is ten and ten. So they like they're just so even such an even line there. They're just good at everything. But yeah, it's amazing. I'm surprised they're tenth in offense. I mean, you just you don't think of Houston as being a particularly like skilled offensive well, d- team. Guess what their adjusted tempo is? You gotta give me like a one to what? Uh let's just assume there's three hundred and sixty teams in college basketball. Because I think that's pretty close. Yeah, I'm gonna say they're like two eighty five. 333. Yeah, so they're one of the slowest teams. <laughs> I love it. I and they love and they always it. have been. I mean, the formula has always been this way for Houston. It's been this way for at least the last five or six years since this Houston, this iteration of kind of Kelvin Sampson's program has kind of taken off. I mean, they, they grind you into a pulp. They crash the offensive glass. They, they crush you on the glass. They, they get in your junk defensively. They give you absolutely nothing. And I, I really do think like – when you're talking about like an Arizona Houston sweet 16 matchup, because that's what we've got coming up on Thursday. This is the exact type of team that Arizona does not want to play. Um, It's what TCU did to them. The only reason TCU was in that game was because they crushed them on the offensive glass and they play physical Arizona, Tommy Lloyd, your inevitable comparisons to Gonzaga are going to, to show themselves now. And what teams do Gonzaga traditionally struggle against ultra physical, slow it down, crush you on the glass, play really tough defense type of teams. That's exactly what Houston is. That's exactly the type of thing Arizona is going to struggle with is a team that's going to slow it down. I've said it all year. If there is one thing that Arizona, if there's one thing about Arizona that gives me pause is that they're at like the, the, one of the very top teams when it comes to tempo. You don't see high major division one power six teams, usually that high in tempo. And, and, and those teams eventually run into problems. Sometimes the ones that are. So I, I've always said it's easier to slow a team down than it is to speed them up. Houston's got enough athletes to, to make that game tough. 
I think Arizona's the more ta- they're obviously the more talented team. I think they're probably they're favored, but it's but it's a really short line. They're only favored by maybe two points. Mm-hmm. I th- I think that one could be like that one is definitely going to be a how tough are you type of type of game for Arizona. All right. So let's see. Let's get to another game here, and we'll sort of get into the non-meaty things. Um, let's go. You know, you talked about this game. We can just skip, almost skip over this one, but the boring game between Iowa State and Wisconsin. A another Virginia-like score. Yeah, not Virginia-like efficiency, though. I mean, not 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 typical Virginia efficiency. Wisconsin was like, what was Wisconsin from the three-point line? Weren't they like one of seventeen or something? It was. It they was were. I see their percentage is nine point one. They went two of twenty-two from the three-point line. That's not good. Fourteen of forty-seven from from the field in general. Jeez, they actually went twelve of twenty-five. Maybe you should stop shooting so many damn threes. Um, your guy John Davis, four of sixteen from the field for seventeen points. Not very good. And seventeen turnovers. That just well. Do you say John? Did did, he, did does he get to? Does he lose the right to be called Johnny Davis because he didn't shoot very well? No, I just think at this point he's he's probably going to be he, he needs to be looked at as an adult, doesn't he? <laughs> okay, fair enough. Don't you think? I mean, is yeah, Johnny you, kind of a kid name? It's sort of funny, you know. My friend uh, Tommy, when he played college football, he put on the roster it said Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Why is he regret? Why is he Tommy now? Because I'll always call him Tommy. Okay, but do most people call him Tom? No, maybe I guess maybe professionally in his job, I don't know, but he, he'll always be Tommy. Just like this will always be Johnny to me. No, he, he he's he's John Davis to me. He's he he uh, he needs to graduate. He needs to grow up. He obviously didn't grow up yesterday because uh, he went four of sixteen from the field, zero of seven from the three point line, seventeen points. Not not a great day. And I guess losing Chucky Hepburn, you know, maybe you could if you're Wisconsin, you could look at that and say, hey, that's the reason we lost. Um, if that's the reason you lost, you probably weren't that good to start. And Chucky Hepburn has, has turned into a nice looking player. I think he's going to be. He, he could, could make that sophomore a, sophomore jump. He, he's going to have that sophomore jump next year, I think. Yep. But, I mean, th- th- that was rough. That was a rough game for them. And Iowa State, I mean, it, I just don't think we could talk about it enough. I mean, Iowa State, I mean, they're getting a ton of love here lately because they only won two games last year. People forget. They fifth, were in, fifth in adjusted defense, Biggs. Fifth in adjusted defense. They, they win yes. defensively. Yeah. And, I mean, they started the year, what, 13-0? and 0? And then Big 12 play just absolutely kicked their ass. I even said it when the bracket came out. I said, I wouldn't have minded Iowa State not being in this tournament. Mm-hmm. Two of the teams that I thought, you know, I mean, Michigan got a ton of heat, right? Everyone kind of thought, like, why is Michigan in the tournament? Well, they're in the Sweet 16. Iowa State, same thing. Um, yep. They've just they've just dominated defensively, and they've just got a, they've got a guy, like, that just kind of shows up and makes enough plays. I mean, it's not like they put on an offensive clinic. They scored 54 points and took 58 shots. I mean, yeah, that's horrendous. And- that's horrendous. And they still ended up gutting out a win. Yep. And Iowa State will move on to play. And this is like, you know, we talk about like having too many upsets sometimes. This year, I feel like we have about the right amount. I look at, I looked at the Thursday schedule and there's, I want to say there was two teams who will participate on Thursday that didn't go according to chalk. And that was Michigan and Houston, but Houston's a five seed. So that's as close as you can get. Yeah. And I mean, really, is anybody surprised that Michigan, I mean, Michigan, you look, you just take away the numbers. Take away the numbers in front of these teams. It's Gonzaga, Arkansas, Villanova, Michigan, Duke, Texas Tech, Arizona, Houston. I mean, yep. those are some of the best teams in the country. Michigan was just in a championship game three years ago. Texas Tech's been to a Final Four recently. Arkansas has been to an Elite Eight recently and is one of the top programs lately. Gonzaga, and St. Peter's Villanova, has Doug Eddard. 
No, and that's and, and that's that's their Friday slate. But I mean, the Thursday slate is it, it, Houston was just in a Final Four. So I mean, yeah. these are like basketball powerhouse teams. I mean, that that Thursday slate is going to be really enticing. Yeah, um, but like I said, Iowa Iowa State moves on to face Miami, who beats Auburn, and we've talked about it for I'd say two or three weeks now. Bigs Auburn, who at one point was the number one team ranked team in the country, who I had dubbed the best team in the country at one point i was wrong um wendell green and katie johnson what's the katie johnson stat i know you texted it to me earlier so so it's fresh on your mind yeah i believe it was 10 shots one assist wow that's not good not great and you know we don't have to talk about auburn too much but you know it's just you know their downfall in this game was the same thing that has plagued them the past month or so where they almost forget who their best players are yeah, I mean, you could you could maybe say that. The two guards definitely suck balls down the stretch of the season. Jabari Smith uh, picked a pretty bad game to have a bad game, though, too. The dude went 3-16-1-8 from 3. So we can easily just blame the two guards for all of their problems. And Walker Kessler was 0-6 also? Yeah, and I mean, he was played off the floor. Those Miami guards, uh, they took him, they played him off the floor. And that's the thing with Walker Kessler is, like, he needs to play for, like, Syracuse, where he can just camp his ass in the middle of the paint and just sit there. Like... Miami, Miami put him in ball screens and just ate the man alive. I mean, they feasted. He could he barely played because they were too quick and too explosive for him. He's not that athletic. He's just a long, big, tall, Paul Bunyan type of kid at the paint. And the Miami guards were just, like, not afraid. They're like, yeah, we've seen this before, Walker. We remember kicking your ass last year. Yeah, and a guy from was Miami a, who – Was there a less surprising 10 over 2 upset in the history of college basketball? I, I feel like I watched that game thinking, like, I, I didn't spend a second of that game thinking like that was an upset. You know what I mean? Like Miami looked like just far and away. I mean, they won by 18. They looked like by far and away the better team. Yeah. And we've talked about them even dating back to the conference previous season. I had mentioned, you know, the amount of injuries they suffered a year ago. And I thought they were a very talented team. Cam Agusi was injured most of the year. Isaiah Wong stepped up um, last year. And with Cam Agusi, I'm referring to last year also. But a guy I want to talk about who, and a guy who I think gets a bad rap, rightfully so, for just you know jumping ship and is on his fourth college. He's been to Cal, he's been to Kansas, DePaul, and now Miami. But he's been playing very well lately, and that is Charlie Moore. And yesterday, Biggs, he nearly had a triple-double. I was going to say, I don't, I don't know where the bad rap is. I mean, I, I think he had probably a reputation coming into the season that it's like, man, this guy's super old. He's never been a winning player. Um, all of a sudden, Charlie Moore has like morphed into... I think like what everyone is saying about James Akinjo is actually more like Charlie Moore. Like that dude just seems like a, you know, for lack of a better word, it just seems like he's an adult. He just gives them like a very professional kind of adult level kind of production. And just like, I feel like the point guard position, if you watch basketball nowadays, point guard, the point guard position has just evolved to the point where like the obsession, nobody, nobody, like no young kid wants to emulate Chris Paul, right? We all want to be Dame Lillard or Steph Curry or John Morant like these guys who just they're basically looking to score constantly. I feel like Charlie Moore brings kind of a Chris Paul kind of level of of just calm and savvy. Uh, you know what I mean? Like he just kind of plays like an adult and he he's been terrific. I mean, he was just he's in super control of the game. It feels like he makes um, he just like is a great decision maker. I mean, he's cut his turnovers down. Here here's Charlie Moore's here's Charlie Moore's career field goal percentages in the 4 years leading up to this one. 38.8 28.6, 37.6, 40.7. Here's his turnover numbers. 
0.9, and that was in 13 minutes. So that's an outlier. 3.5, 3.3. This year, he's shooting 45.7%, so that's okay. 5% better than any That's other. very good. Yep. 37.7% from three. That's 2.5 percentage points better than any other year. And he's averaging two turnovers. 4.6 assists to two turnovers. That's a pretty good ratio. He's just he's just like in a perfectly he's just in perfect control, it seems like, of the game at all times. And he he's cooking right now. He's playing really well. They've got a they've got a terrific guard attack in Miami, and it's it's really yep. fun to watch. I mean, I, I, I was that was another team that I was kind of surprised at how like safely they were in the tournament, given like their their resume, I didn't think was very good. Um but boy, they're they're fun to watch, and their guards just give people problems, and they play fearless. Like they just they don't have, you know, a lot of people talk about how we play we play four guards and like teams play small. Like other teams, like typically, like the versions of small is like you have a six foot guard, might have like another like a six two guard, and you maybe have like a six five kind of three man, and then maybe like a six six powerful like a another like swing playing your four. Like Miami legitimately plays four small guys. Like Moore is is six foot, uh, Jordan Miller is, okay, so he's six seven, he's six seven one ninety five. Yeah, and, and then like the Wardenberg is, Wardenberg is like six four, and Wong's like six three. Like they're really small. Yep. Like they, they are true guards, and it's it's really fun to watch because they, I mean, what they get, how they do in the rebounding. Like they they don't get crushed on the glass by some of these teams, and that's where you'd think, like if you're Auburn and USC, two big teams that you'd think like, hey. We have an advantage on the on the inside with our size. Miami got out rebounded. They got out rebounded by eight against Auburn. That's not that's not terrible. Now, Auburn did get seventeen offensive boards, but yep. I, I don't know. It didn't it didn't hurt them. Miami plays good defense still too. Yeah, and they're definitely, and we'll get into like matchups for for this coming weekend later in the week. But you know, they're definitely a team in that in that region with Kansas, Providence, Miami, Ohio, Iowa State. You know, I I wouldn't be surprised if they made it out of that. I wouldn't either. I, I do like them against Iowa State just without without doing a lot of digging into that. I, I like the way those guards match up because Iowa State could muck up the game, I suppose. But I, I just like the way Miami's – I like the vibes right now. And, and you've got Jim Laranega, who is a, a super experienced coach. He's used to taking teams on, on deep runs. They've got – they're old. They've got great guard play. And I would love to see them – you know, if, if we're just like rooting for like the matchup that we'd like to see – you know, we we can probably talk about that later this week in terms of like what's the ideal kind of turnout here from just like a viewing pleasure. I think a Miami Kansas Elite Eight game could be a lot of fun. I think so too. I think so too. But we'll get into that later this week. Um, we have a few more games to go here. We've got let's see who would I want to go to next. Another game who another game where I you know I felt like we talked about like games that are close throughout, but like you just feel like the one team's just gonna come out on top and sort of extend the lead towards the end. Villanova beats Ohio State, and Ohio State got it close with it. it must have been about five, six minutes left. But Villanova was able to pull away late. Uh, Colin Gillespie, actually, I'm not going to say Colin Gillespie. He took 14 shots to get to 20 points. But what do you think about Villanova here, Biggs? I like them. I mean, they're just tough, right? They're just – Villanova, this is not your – Older brother's Villanova team. Not even like your father or your grandfather's Villanova. It's like not your older brother's Villanova team from three, four years ago that plays like the beautiful pitch it around, play like an NBA team style of basketball. They they play a grimy, physical, um, slow it down, muck it up kind of game, but they've got 
like I think the difference is like they like you could compare them to like Houston or Iowa State or some of these teams that try to muck it up. And I and I think they've got a little more basketball skill. Like they've obviously got a ton of basketball skill. They just don't seem to have like a lot of athleticism. You know what I mean? Yep. But they've got just a bunch of tough kind of grinders who they're really smart, they're really connected. They're old. Fifth year senior, junior, senior, fifth year senior, and then a sophomore, and another like fourth year senior or maybe a fifth year senior in um who's the kid who comes off the bench for them? The other the other guard. Um, they're they're old. Yeah, I can't. Caleb Daniels. Yeah. So I mean they're they're playing guys who are all 22, 23, 24 years old. It just feels like everything is is very calm with them. And, and Iowa and Ohio State, probably a more talented team, right? I mean, Malachi Branham was uh he really emerged as a as a really, really fun freshman who's unfortunately like got too good and now he's gonna be gone after one year, which which mm-hmm. really sucks for an Ohio State fan. EJ Liddell was uh was a was a borderline all American guy. I, I, none of these Nova guys are going to be like next level prospects, but they just they play so tough and you know exactly what you're getting. They don't turn the ball over. They get good shots a lot of the time. And and they just grind defensively. Yeah. And they're like any other year, they're gonna be a tough out, whether it's you know, that game against Michigan. That game against Michigan might be a good one. And then if they do end up playing, you know, either could you imagine a Villanova Houston game? Just the fundamentals in that game. Oh my gosh, there'd be it would just be they're so, so physical. The, the physicality yeah. in that game would be like you'd need like ice baths at halftime first. Yeah. And so the next game I want to get to another game where, you know, Texas Longhorns gave uh, Purdue a run for their money. Um, Marcus Carr was actually very good down the stretch, but you know, he's a bit overshadowed. Jaden Ivy only had seven field goal attempts, bigs seven and had 18 points. And a lot of those points in the last few minutes were very timely. He had some nice step backs some nice threes and Purdue gets a 10 point win. And their team that, you know, I, I think, I think they're another team I said was trending down very recently, but I think they're starting to trend back up here. Yeah, I mean, if you're Purdue, you've got a, you've got a sense like a big time opportunity, right? I mean, you you don't get out the top two seeds in your region don't get out of the first weekend. Baylor gets taken out, and so does Kentucky. If you're Purdue, you have a 15 seed in the Sweet 16, and then you're either going to play a UNC team that you've already beaten or a UCLA team that's probably not going to be at 100. percent They've got they've got to be smelling a hell of an opportunity here to go. To, to, get, to get to a Final Four. And it seems like last night they took a pretty good punch from a Texas team that was playing for, for the first time all year and all the games I've seen from Texas. It, it felt like, and it, I guess it should maybe, you, you wish they played like this all year. Didn't it feel like they were playing like inspired? It looked like they were actually and, and, like... And like actually, this. and like together too. Yeah. Like I feel like we didn't get that pretty much all year. It took them until like their, like their asses were on the line for them to play like that. And I guess... Who knows? Maybe they play like that all season and they still wind up in this exact same spot, losing to a team that's just probably better than them. But I actually liked that Texas. I wish we would have gotten that Texas all year long. Um, yep. But Purdue, I mean, they showed you. Jaden Ivey is he's he's the most talented perimeter player in the country. I get well, maybe him or Ben Matherin. I guess has he got to the line a lot last night, eight or nine from free throw. Yeah, and, and that's what I mean. He's got that ability, right? I mean, yep. he he should be taking probably six to ten free throws a game. Like he shouldn't settle. Get get in attack mode, get to the paint. I mean, what 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 perimeter guys can what defense can can keep him out of the paint? You know, I mean, <clears throat> there's nobody that has the kind of juice and explosiveness that he does at the point guard spot. 
Um, and then Travion Williams kind of reasserted himself as like, as kind of a force. And he was a guy that, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a senior. Was he, I think he was on that. I think he was a freshman on that Purdue team that went to the elite eight with Carson Edwards. And, you know, he's been, he's been through a lot. He's, he's taken kind of a bench role, but I, I don't think there's any question that like, he is a guy that is capable of like, he's capable of carrying your offense for a, for a game. And, and he did it last night against Texas. You know, when, when those two guys are cooking, I mean, you've got two of the best 20 players in the sport. I mean, Trevion Williams is one of the elite centers in college hoops. And, 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 and Jaden Ivey is one of the elite point guards. So th- there's no reason they don't, there's no reason they can't get out of the, uh, out of the second weekend and get to a final four the way they're playing. Yeah. And you mentioned Trevion Williams. Um, and if you just look at their centers, you know, they, they rotate him and Edie 33 points on 12 of 19 shooting. That's that's pretty good to get out of your center position. Yeah, that's that's really nice. I mean, you got to think like they they won that game and like they got nothing really out of out of a lot of other guys. You kind of go down like Sasha Stefanovic. He made no impact. I think he went 0-5 from the three point line or something like that. Um, you know, Eric Hunter. He's been playing better. It seems like the second half of the season. He he's been giving them some good production. But Edie really didn't give them much because Trevion Williams was so good. But like they they just they don't get a lot from from some of those other guys and they still ended up winning. So. I mean, Mason Gillis is usually a pretty good player, and you know, uh, Hunter's a Hunter's solid. Stefanovic, you know, we've seen it; he's capable of of popping off for twelve points in like four minutes because of his three point shooting ability. You know, they, there's still a lot of meat left on the bone for Purdue. Yep. All right, and we have two more games to get to get to here, and I purposely left these two for last because I think this this might be the best uh, matchup for next round would be between uh, Texas Tech and Duke. And which one do you want to start about, talk about first? We got Texas Tech um, beating Notre Dame after trailing for a good portion of the game, and then Duke beating Michigan State after, you know, giving up. They, they had the lead most of the game, gave it up for, like, a couple possessions. Um, which one do you want to talk about? Well, let's start with Texas Tech. This Texas Tech team, and I did not realize till right before I pulled up the Ken Bond that they are – that good defensively to where, you know, they're literally the best um, in adjusted defense. And, you know, sort of, you, you talk about mucking it up game games and Texas tech is just the best at that. Notre Dame tried to beat them at it. They could not um, tell me about Texas tech. What do you think about Texas tech? They have a solid roster. I didn't really like, you know, I know about uh, McCuller. I know about TJ Shannon and I know about uh, Kevin O'Banner who, you know, transferred from Oral Roberts. I didn't know that neither one of them is their leading scorer. Bryson Williams has just emerged this year. He's been awesome. Yeah, he's yeah. been terrific. Well, I mean, remember, he kind of had that breakout. I feel like he kind of burst onto the scene, man, a couple months ago now when they played Kansas in like that double overtime thriller. That was probably one of the best games of the season where Abaji went for like 40 for Kansas. Bryson Williams had like 35 in that game. I mean, he was phenomenal. And it feels like he's just been, yeah, he's been a steadying force for them offensively because he can, he can go inside, he can step out and knock down threes. Um, you know, he's not he's not so good. he's not as good as like a Bancaro or or somebody like that where you run your offense through him. But yeah, he can, I mean he can pop off for twenty five on any given night, and, and he's just he's tough as nails too. He's a kid who's com- coming out of UTEP like a really really good scorer, uh, just a just a solid inside out dynamic you know front court piece. Um, I, I love this Texas Tech team. We've talked about this in, in multiple points in the season. Um, I'm in on Texas Tech. I, just, I love the way they play. They uh, they are just – they're big. 
I mean, they're starting five. It, they didn't have a guy smaller than six five, and didn't have a guy bigger than six foot eight. I don't know and why. They have a, they... And they have a guy named Adonis Arms. Right. Which Adonis is that the Arms correct is, the... is is that the correct spelling of when you say someone is an Adonis? Is that the correct spelling? Yeah. Okay, so he's yeah. he's li- literally an Adonis. A bunch of Adonises. Because uh, you know, I I clicked on the picture of Bryson Williams. He has some traps on him. Yeah, he's an Adonis. Like their yeah. whole roster is just full of these guys. Like they are an Adonis roster. Like Adonis Arms is their starting like point guard, or Mc- well, McCullough I think is their point guard. But like he's also a foreman. Also, he's the foreman on my man crush team. I'm oh. I'm all about it. Like Arms is six five, massive, big and strong kid. T.J. Shannon, like 6'6", long, big, physical. Like McCuller, 6'6", 220, big, physical kid. O'Banner, 6'8", and Bryson Williams, 6'8". They're massive, and they switch everything. You know, Well, uh, well when you when all of your guys are between 6'5 and 6'8", you can switch everything. Exactly. They're, they're, all, they're all big. They're all rangy. They're all, like, tough and athletic and strong. They're all fifth-year guys, so, like, they're old as hell. Um I feel like they're they're the perfect embodiment of like their coach. Their coach is like just old, <laughs> old. He's he is old, but like he's he's like old school. You know, like he's just like a tough minded grinder type of coach. He's waited his turn. Like he's never gotten uh, never gotten a lot of like fanfare. It's a true culture war between Texas Tech and Duke. Like they could not be uh, like more opposite when it comes to just like the culture of their programs. The players embody the, the culture of each coach, and. I, I'm in on it. I, I don't think – I worry that they don't have enough offense. I worry that that's going to be an issue against Duke is that they just – they don't they don't get enough easy baskets. And the teams that beat Duke are the ones that can, can go spread, pick, and roll and get into gaps because Duke doesn't give a shit defensively. But I, but I think Texas Tech is going to really frustrate them with their physicality. Like Paulo Bancaro is a dude who just like – he is bigger and stronger than everybody. He seems really aware of it. He'll point it out to you after he scores on you. And, like, Texas Tech dudes just aren't aren't like that. Like, he's going to try to bully and big boy them, and they're going to be like, um, actually, kid, back the fuck off. Can we, can we talk about – we'll use this as a jumping off point to get to that Duke game, but I, I know I'm biased. I'm a North Carolina fan. Every single time Paulo Bancaro scores on someone – so he had eight field goal makes yesterday. Every single time he's talking to the defender on that one. So he had eight times just trash talking yesterday. Yeah, he's not the he's not the first one to do this kind of shit. But like, there are so many guys now in basketball where you watch every single time they score, they have to turn around and like backpedal their way back down the floor and like they're stare at him. The they just, yep. Can you just turn the fuck around and run down the damn floor? Yeah, and like, there's one late in the game, and I get emotions are running high, but it was Joey Hauser guarding him. Who nothing against Joey Hauser, he's nowhere near the league when it comes to talent. Exactly, like Paulo Bencaro should score on him every single time. Yeah, it'd be like you taking me to the hole if we're playing one on one. Like, obviously, like you're gonna I'm just gonna cook me. I'm gonna too do small. the I'm gonna do the too small on yeah. um, the entire time back on the floor. Too small. Do, do Do you think it'll ever become a thing for uh, you know short people like me if I score on someone too taller big. than me? No, but like instead of doing the too small, I like like reach above my head and I'm like this. And pe- people listening can't see this, but I'm just like pointing out that Biggs is way taller than me. <laughs> I am, but I'm a lot slower too. I'm fat. But, um, <laughs> no, I, I I remember picking up on this when I watched the Gophers and they had Daniel Oturu. And it was just like, dude, you, you score 20 points a game. I swear to God, every single basket he'd make, he'd have to like look back at the guy he scored. It's like, come on. Like, I know I'm an old man. Like I don't, I apparently, I don't want players to have any fun. Like we take away all the emotions. Like I just want them to be robots, yada, yada, yada. Like I, I'm not like that. Like give me all the emotion. I love when guys get hyped up. 
It's just the constant need to like cock off and like show off your opponent. Again, I get it. I'm an old man. The whole sky is full of clouds right now that I'm going to have no shortage of enemies to go yell at. But I just don't understand why everyone has to be such a douchebag. You know, like well, it's not it's not easy to like play with passion and have fun without being just a flaming asshole. Yeah, and you know this stuff it goes down to you know younger generations. I see it at the gyms all, all the time. It could oh, be like God. it could it's be like ten year olds playing. Off. Did you actually score? Yeah, it's like it's no longer is it good enough to just you know make a three or get a layup or a floater or anything. You have to like yell at the other guy. Can't you give your teammate a fucking high five? How hard is that? Yeah. And another thing I noticed that I hate, what you know, it's just we're finishing off with the yelling at the clouds portion of this podcast. This is fun. Um, it's really good. I, I do. But I'm, I'm going to do a study here, Biggs. I'm going to, the next game I watch, I'm going to count the number of fouls. So say if it's 30 fouls, okay? I'm going to count how many times the player who fouled the guy objects to it in any way. He says something to the ref. He puts his arms up. He does this thing where, like, he puts his arms straight up, even though, like, he, like, contacted him in some way, and see what the percentage is. Which like, game in particular? Is it just any the next game you happen to watch? Yes. Okay. From start to finish, the next game I watch, I will track that. Don't do an NBA game. No, hell no. You'll be exhausted. It's ridiculous. You'll run out of paper. Anyways, and that's how I recap with the Duke game. Yeah, man, that was that was another one where it just kind of felt like even when Michigan State got up five, I still was just like they're they're not winning this game. Too yeah, much time and- left. Duke's too good. The offense comes too easy. I'm telling you, man, get ready for it. Duke's gonna win the national title. It's just it's setting everything's setting up for them. I, I have a feeling I love this Texas Tech team and I really want them to win against Duke because I, I love watching them play and I love the like I said, the culture clash is everything I like about college hoops, is what Texas Tech has, which is guys who are not entitled. Guys who have come from smaller programs, they're not, look at me. All they do is just grind and work their asses off. And you've got a coach who just grinds and works his ass off. And he finally gets an opportunity. He's like 70 years old. And he finally gets a head coaching opportunity at little old shitty Texas Tech. Nobody's dream job is Texas Tech. And that's this guy's first job. And he's just crushing it with a bunch of guys, a transfer from Winthrop, from Oral Roberts, from UTEP. Guys who, guys who weren't good enough to be at other places. And they're fucking awesome. And they play just tough. Um, it's probably two and three star recruits, right? Where any of these guys, probably TJ Shannon was probably a four star guy, but like they don't have any entitled like high end NBA mock draft type guys. Duke, five first round picks. That's all you hear. Yep. Five yep. first round picks. Did you know it's Coach Case last season? The most right. entitled coach of all time. He probably used to be like a good developer of talent, a, t- a coach who used to do this kind of shit. And now Coach K is look at me as can be. And Duke is that exact way. Um, do you just want to end the show right there? I'll, people, I'll let you end it here. Some some people like that, right? It's it's a culture battle about it's, it's true good versus evil. You don't see. I, I look around. I go to school. I, I work with you know sixteen and seventeen and eighteen year olds. I don't see a single kid walking around with a Texas Tech sweatshirt. Okay, a lot of assholes walking around with Duke sweatshirts. It's good versus evil. These kids need to learn something better. That's why I'm there. I'm trying to educate kids on learning the right way. And we have an opportunity on Thursday for good to prevail over evil. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Duke is more talented. But I'm going to be pulling really hard for Texas Tech. Make no bones about it. And it's not even me being a North Carolina fan. I've, I've separated North Carolina from Duke. I don't hate Duke because I love North Carolina. Um, I, I don't like Duke, right? As a North Carolina fan, I root against Duke. I really hate this Duke, though. With some of these freshmen I, and the, the Coach Gabe bullshit. I'm just so tired of it. I want them to go down. 
I hate Duke just because we have a friend who's a Duke fan, but he's also a fan of the Yankees, the Patriots, um, the Lakers, I'm pretty Alabama. sure. Alabama. And I actually saw, I don't know if it was like Norlander or someone else who tweeted this after the Duke Carolina game that was in Duke. And he goes, he's on his plane and all he sees is Yankees hats on it. <laughs> so that's where we're ending. Um, we'll be back Wednesday. We'll get this out the uh, next episode out Thursday previewing the um, previewing the Sweet 16 matchups and probably we might get into some uh, potential matchups that will be in the Elite Eight and good news is we don't really have to do the Texas Tech Duke one then because I'm pretty sure you just did it right there. Yeah, we kind of we kind of just did that and we also did a lot of yelling at clouds there so we can we can bring a lot fresher perspective that, that was really cathartic I really appreciate being able to get that off my chest I'm glad you noticed the thing about the turning around and talking shit nonstop. Um yeah, it, I'm, it, I'm really glad wrong that we got that player. off our chest today. Yep. But, yeah, let's get out of here. Bye.